theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. You may be seated. I'll I'll get into my word here and what the Lord has laid on my heart in just a moment. But I do want you, I want to direct your attention to the screen because last Sunday was amazing. We had a powerful time in Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Barry. And then the altar call just continued to flow. And as it just flowed, uh, there are about maybe 30, 35 of us still here. And we had a baptism, and I give God praise for that. Not only do we have a baptism, uh, we baptized Noah Bowen in the name of Jesus Christ. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost while he was still in the baptistry. We celebrate that. He's not able to be, we have scores of people who are not feeling well, unfortunately, today. He is one of them, and he let us know. Uh, Let your pastor know, praise God, when you can't make it to church. It's helpful. Uh, But I want you to check out this video. We're praying for all of you all that are watching online. Check out this video of Noah's baptism. God is so good. Come on, that's reason to celebrate, EC fam. He's still alive and well and doing things. Praise God. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. You know what Noah told me? He said, I'm tired of living the life I've been living. And if you're tired of living the life you've been living, God's got a brand new life available for you. Makes no difference where you come from. There's nothing you could have done that would disqualify you from the resurrection power of Jesus Christ living on the inside. He wants to do it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I'm so excited to share what the Lord has laid on my heart today. Uh, One of the things that I realize that is becoming more and more evident uh, as I pastor and serve as the the lead pastor. I've been in pastoral ministry over 20 years. Um, But... Uh, discipleship takes work discipleship takes work Um, and yes I'm thankful we got growth track and we have a number of ways in which you can be discipled small groups and you should be a part of all that midweek Bible connection but I've learned also that uh, you and I will not change what we're unwilling to confront and what I'm saying is it's easy for me to say you're the issue you're the issue. You're the issue. You're the issue. Oh, in marriage, it's like, oh, it's you. In church, we go from church to church to church, and it's just this church and that. And the reality of it is, we got to be willing to, it's not you, it's me. It's me. And the whole entire impetus, I, knew, I didn't get a lot of amens on that. When I, when I say, <laughs> And I said, you can't change what you can't. Oh, amen, amen. Oh, I got to change. I got to do work. Yeah, 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 me included. And so uh, it's really tough. This is why I said, hey, no perfect people allowed. Because here's what I've learned. In, uh, in religious circles, uh, people often come, whether they're churched or not, you can become professional in your Christianity. And... 
and ultimately what we end up doing is not confronting our challenges, our issues, our hurt, our destructive habits. We bury them or we mask them. And the entire reason why we, we say no perfect people allowed is so that you understand you're in a safe space to say, hey, I've got this going on in my life and I, I need to deal with it. And until we get to that place and make that kind of commitment, we won't experience biblical Christianity. But I don't know about you, but I want to experience what's in the book. I want to experience the righteousness of God and the peace of God and the joy of God. And I want when people interact with us, I want them not only to feel and sense that we're loving and we're kind, but more importantly, I want them to know that the power of God is flowing through us and they too can have this abundant life. Amen? And so today, uh, I'm going to preach for probably 30 minutes, uh, maybe 35. Maybe 35. If you'll stick with me, I want to invite you to take a look at yourself I'm going to take a look at myself. I've had to take a long, hard look at myself and say, Akil, what is going on with you? With you. And so we're going to do that today. Uh, open up your Bibles or your Bible apps to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read through that into the third chapter. Uh, and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And so if you have a physical Bible, you want to mark that. First uh, Corinthians, and then you want to go to your left and go to Romans. Didn't the priest him do an amazing job today? Praise God. I was like, we bless the name. We, um, that's why I wasn't up here singing, praise God. Mia's like, stop, 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 stop. First Corinthians 2, 14. You know what? Elvis is doing it. I'm going to have everybody stand. Why don't we stand in honor of the reading of the word? First um, Corinthians 2, 14. I'm reading out of the New King James today. I did realize I told you to have a seat and all that. I just didn't want you standing that long. Let's look at it. But the natural man does not... Oh, I'm going to let him get on the screen. Praise God. There we go. Uh, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. We're running into a little technical difficulty, but they'll get it. Praise God. If you got that Bible app or you're, you get that, you can just... Here we go. Praise God. Give it up for the media team doing an amazing job too. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Just let that settle in right there. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. In other words... What Paul is saying right there is, he's like, hey, when you're right with Christ, you have authority, okay? For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ is so important. So Paul said, let this mind be in you, in you. Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 13. And I, now notice verse 1 is there's the word and there. That's a conjunction because I know it's the conclusion of a chapter, but the reality of it is we just did that to be able to cite references. Okay, so you get it. So Paul is continuing his thought here. But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. 
For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Paul is saying, look at the fruit. Look at your conversation. Look at how you're behaving. He said, strife, envy, division. This is what carnal people do. Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Wow. I just, I want you to hear this biblical truth. For those who live according to the flesh. In other words, the reason why we're living according to the flesh is because we have set our minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. <sighs> For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon for the next 35 minutes. Mental health. Mental health. Father, we love you, and we just pray your presence is here. We've lifted you up. You, and you have inhabited your praises that belong to you and you alone. There's nobody to your left or right, God. And right now, every idol, every imagination, every vain thing I cast down in the name of Jesus you are king and you are Lord, and there's not a thing to your right or left. You indeed have no rival and no equal in this place, and in our hearts you are Lord. Let your word speak to us. Let it shape us. Call us, O oh Lord God. Let your grace, your irresistible grace, pull us up out of where we are so that we can walk in what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. A, a definition of, of health... Um, specifically, I'm talking about health. I'm talking about the totality of health. It says uh, health is the state of complete physical, mental, and social. I praise God, Pastor Barry. I love you, and that, that just uh, I just I love that picture, and I felt like it was pursuing God. And I'm not saying you were having a breakdown, sir. No, 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 no. It was out of admiration, praise God. Uh, definition of health. Health is the state of complete physical, mental, and social, clearly not forgetting spiritual well-being. How many of you know that being well is simply not merely the absence of an illness or a disease? According to research and statistics, did you know that as one in three people in North America have experienced a mental illness or an episode within the last year? One in three. In other words, you could look at people on your right and left, and if they said it wasn't them, it was you. It was you. It, I told you, you got to look at yourself today. 
As far back as 2000, the WHO, the World Health Organization, declared that the five out of the 10 leading causes of disabilities worldwide, five of them are mental conditions. How many of us understand and believe that uh, if our thinking is stanky, not stinky, stanky, how many believe if our thinking is stanky, our lives will be stanky? I got two or three of y'all. Somebody else should, should uh, you, you, you need, see, the Lord wants to deliver us from stanky thinking. And he wants us to be free from the carnal mind. Can somebody say amen? See, what I'm talking about is if you claim to, if you can't pray for your neighbor or if you can't pray for somebody that you disagree with, maybe you need to assess the depth of your salvation. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but my question is, is the Christ in our brain the one we read about in the Bible? Because we are living in a moment where I believe God is shaking everything that he can shake in us to reveal something in us. And I believe the heart of God, I believe the heart of God, the body of Christ, I believe we're grieving the spirit of God because we're living carnally. There's three groups of people that I want to unpack today for just a little bit. And the passages of Scripture that I, I read to you today were written by Paul. Paul is a man who understands to live carnally and what it is to live spiritually. And he's writing to the Corinthian people. And in this writing at the church of Corinth, he gives us three categories. And I'm not trying to reduce everybody to three categories in particular, but I do want to address something in specifically. Uh, there's three groups. The first group is he talks about the natural man. This person has only been born once. The natural man is unsaved. They are unregenerate, a man or woman. They've only been born once. They've been born according to the flesh, and after the flesh, through their mother's womb, they came and they have not been born again. Their entire life can be understood looking through a natural lens. They do not have the Spirit of God living on the inside. They have not been regenerated or recreated. Therefore, they are a natural man. That's the first type of person. The second group that Paul is talking about is the spiritual man. The spiritual man, in some places, Paul refers to them as perfect, but not perfect as in um, sinless or flawless. If you look it up in the Greek, uh, it, it simply means to mature, to, to grow. Am I making any sense? It means that one has matured, and the real litmus test, if you will, of their maturity is taken in the area of love. Anytime Paul or an apostle in the New Testament talks about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, it's in the context of the increase of their love both for God and others. If you want to know if you are spiritually mature, you should take inventory of your love. Because this is how men know whether or not we belong to Jesus. We have love one toward another. But I want to make sure that we understand when we talk about love, we're talking about a biblical love, not a secular love. Secular love doesn't mean I do everything you want me to do. I'm going to get in trouble today. But I just got back from Thanksgiving, praise God, and I've been eating my collard greens and my grits. I told Sheena I'm ready. Praise God in Turkey. A biblical love um, or a, a, a natural love, well, let me just put it to you this way. Don't allow the world to define love for you. 
Because if you allow the world to define love for you, and then you try to, in some way, somehow, juxtapose that with Christian Scripture or with Scripture, and you try to say, hey, no, that's not how it works. God has called us out of that, and not, we're not to love like the world loves. Because the world will only love, if you do for me, then I'll do for you. But that's not how the body of Christ operates. I want to give you a couple of examples. I want them to throw up this splash screen that I designed. I just, I had this, I designed it right when the team was singing. Look at modern love. Look at modern love in contrast to biblical love. Can't be controlled. Love has to happen. So I, I can't be expected to choose to love someone. Therefore, love or lack of love is not a moral issue. That's what the modern world says. On biblical love, though, we'll say, can be controlled. Christian love is based on personal choice and commitment. Therefore, it is a moral issue. I want you to let that sink in. Because of choice, we now, being born again, we have the power to choose. And when we choose, it now becomes a moral issue. The second thing I want to show you, oh, modern love, the world will tell you, meets others' desires. Effort is extended to please or to pacify others by doing what they want. But here's the reality of it. Biblical love meets others' needs. Christian love is concerned with doing what is good for another, not with what the other wants. This love recognizes that what people want and what they need are often different. The other person may need confrontation even if he or she doesn't want it. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm meddling today, but I'm going to stop meddling. And then Paul comes to, you can put it down, Paul comes to the third chapter where the wheels on the bus just fall off. This is where he has a serious question, and I think many of us might have asked this question too. Can a Christian be carnal? Can a person who is born again, filled with the Spirit of God, speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance, been baptized in the name of Jesus, can they live carnally? And I want to tell you unequivocally, based upon the Word of God, and specifically here in Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, specifically 3, there is no doubt in my mind that a Christian can live in a state of carnality. Paul says there are natural people who are not saved. They do not have the Spirit of God living in them. They've been born once. There are spiritual people who have the Holy Spirit living in them and who have been born twice. When you've been born of the water and the Spirit, you've been born twice. And see, you'll die twice if you've only been born once. But if you've been born twice, you'll only die once. That went over some of your heads, but I don't know about you. How many of you are thankful to be born again of the water and of the Spirit? Because you've been born again of the water and the Spirit, you'll never take, you'll taste death on this side, but you won't taste it again on the other side. Because those who die in Christ will never die a second time. They'll be resurrected with new life in Jesus Christ. First Corinthians said this mortality will put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption. And then we'll be brought to the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I'm love. I'm thankful to be born again. Those born twice, born naturally 
and born of the Spirit. New birth will only die once. And when he says spiritual man, he's talking about those who have been born of the Spirit of God. And they are living with the Lord Jesus Christ, ruling and reigning on the throne of their heart. But then Paul comes to the third. And he says, you Corinthians are carnal. Now, he's not mixing words. He literally takes like a rock and puts it in a cloth and smashes their carnality. I, I don't want anybody to be hurt is what Paul is saying. Uh, but if I don't say this, you'll be hurt beyond repair. He says, I, I love you too much to leave you like I found you, Corinthians. You are carnal. You have divisions. You have strife. And you have these things that are pulling, at your, pulling you all apart. Are you not carnal? He says, I, I can't even preach or teach the word and what God has given me on my heart to you because you can't take it right now. You're carnal. And this carnal Christian is what I want to zero in on today. Because I'm convinced one of the reasons why many of us are struggling today is because there's an absence of joy. I want to help you. I, I, I might start a series on this, but I, I've, I, 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 the Lord helped me realize something. There's many of you all right now that are suffocating silently. And I told you a while back, I remember the Lord telling me, what you don't put language on will come out in other ways. And so since this will manifest itself in other ways, in other words, what I'm telling you is if you, when you get upset, if you don't take the time to talk through it, think through it, and put words on it, it will manifest itself in other ways. You'll throw a temper tantrum. You'll pout. You won't want to talk to anybody. Do you get what I'm saying? And so what happens, though, is we don't develop, uh, we don't develop the necessary mechanisms to articulate things. You know why? Because we don't have joy. You're thinking, what does joy have to do with that? Well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joyful people are expressive people. Not only are they expressive, you know when somebody's got joy. And you know when people don't have joy. That's why when you walk in, you're like, oh, yeah. You see people at the grocery store, and you're like, yeah, you don't have joy. So I'm not going to talk to you. You see somebody else just smiling, you're like, oh, man, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just getting some green beans, and I wish y'all had grits. Oh, yeah. And you just start a conversation. You got joy. And because you have joy, you now, and you're expressive, you now explore what it's like to talk through things because you've got a joy tapped in. Oh. So you, you got to get this. But when we don't have joy, and let me just say this, you, you know whether or not you have joy. If you're joyful and you know it, clap your hands. If you're joyful and you know it, clap your hands. If you're joyful and you know it and you're, if you're, y'all are good. Sometimes if you're joyful, I'm like, fix your face. It's okay to smile. I feel like the mask, no, I'm not saying who is, I don't think I got nothing to do with masks right now, whether you're wearing a mask. What I'm talking about is uh, when COVID came around, it's like, it's like we just recessed even further. Like, I'm not, no, it's okay to smile. If you've got joy, you need to let your face know it and make the choice. I'm choosing the joy of God. So I'm going to zero in on this today. We can literally have a mindset that offends God. And you're like, well, talk to me, Pastor. Okay, how I'm going to show you. Let's look at Romans 8, 7. Watch this. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is an enmity. The carnal mind is an enemy. The carnal mind is literally, if you look that up, it means an opposer, a resistor, something that is offensive, highly offensive to God himself. So when you and I operate in a carnal mind, it is offensive to God. Why? The carnal mind is an enemy of God. Okay, y'all like what? Well, some of y'all look shocked. Let's, let's continue to read verse 7. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. This word here literally means come under submission to something. If we live with a carnal mind, a, a mind that is defiled with self-centeredness and self-preservation, you and I live with a mindset that refuses to come under the submission of the word of God. Hear me. Now, I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm, I, I'm, I am not going to set you free. I can't do that, but I believe what God has given me can do that. A carnal mind will not submit to the voice or the mind of God. A carnal mind will not submit to the will of God. And the will of God for your life is not always peaches and cream. I, I, I can't preach a cheap Christianity. I got to preach a biblical one. There's five different types of baptisms of suffering in Scripture. Now, hear me. If you don't have this struggle, praise God. You know what? The Bible will call you spiritual. But many people in the kingdom of God find themselves at times warring with mentalities and mindsets. And here's what I want to tell you about the carnal mind. A carnal mind can be possessed by a person who has been born again, but they have a self-centered way of thinking. A carnal mind, ready for this? A carnal mind. The king in a carnal mind is not Satan. The king in a carnal mind is self. The carnal mind does not care about your eternal future. It only cares about making sure one thing happens, and that is your spiritual man does not get stronger than your flesh. The carnal mind doesn't care about your eternal future. It only wants to make sure that your flesh is stronger than the spirit. Have you ever found someone where they, they're, they're Christian, they, 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 they love God, but uh, their thinking, their spirit man is just beat up. Every time you see them, well, pastor, just pray for me. <sighs> I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Everything is just falling apart every single way. I'm going to tell you why that's the case. Because they feed their flesh and they starve their spirit. I'm going to help somebody right now. Your mind will become poisoned with self-centeredness and you will consume at times your own life and destroy yourself by heeding and following the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These things do not come from Satan. They come from me. I wish, 
I could be like, hey, let's just sing that song again. If you're joyful and you know it, clap your hands. If you're joyful and you know it, clap your hands. If you're joyful and you know it, and you really want to show it. If you're joyful and you know it, clap your hands. I wish that worked. And rebuke the devil. But many times, it's not the devil ruining your life. Many times, you want to find the culprit that steals the life of God out of someone's existence? Look in the mirror. And if you're not careful, you'll put you, your desires, your objectives, your goals on the throne of your heart and live a life with a mind that is poisoned with self-centeredness. And Jesus, who saved you, is longing to sit on the throne of your heart but find no place. This carnal mind is enmity. It's an enemy with God. This poison mentality and way of thinking will rob you of life, rob you of peace, and lead you to death. I know you're like, man, pastor, goodness gracious, it's already raining outside. Does it have to be that heavy? Where else can self-centeredness lead you? Death. There's a way. This seems right. I just want to tell you, if you're living, though, with a carnal mind, Jesus can deliver you. I don't know about you, but I want to be delivered. I want to walk in the joy and victory and peace of the Lord. I want to walk, I want to be spiritual and be spirit-led. But the carnal mind is an enemy with God, against God. And when you're operating with a carnal mind, your flesh is calling the shots. Never submitted to God. I'll tell you, you want to know when somebody is a carnal mind? They're just irrational. Don't make any sense. I'm talking about biblical sense. Don't make any biblical sense. You, you try to talk to them. They, they won't submit to the word of the Lord. And, and there's no point. That's why the Bible says you can't argue with the fool. I, I'm not calling anybody foolish. But what I'm saying is for us to be a Christian, and if we're not submitted, if we're not under the word of the Lord and we don't do it, then that's foolish. Jesus said there's two types of people, a wise person and a foolish person. And the one that's on the rock is not Jesus, it's obedience. I know Jesus is the rock of ages, but in that story, when he closes the sermon on the mount, he's talking about being obedient to his word. He said, hey, a wise man is likened unto somebody that's going to do what I say. This is why the Bible says, don't argue with the fool unless you get called away yourself. You, you, can't, you can't engage them if they're not submitted. You can't engage a carnal person. They cannot see it. They don't see the error of their ways because they're not submitted to the word of the Lord. So, watch this. Uh, all, all you can do is pray for them, but let me tell you how we can free ourselves from being dominated by the flesh. How do we free ourselves from being dominated by self-centeredness? How do we come out of a state of walking according to the flesh? Because many of you all, let's just keep it 100. Many of us are struggling and we're dealing with this very thing and we don't think it's possible. 
you've resigned to the fact that this is the total, the sum totality of your Christian expression. Right now, I want you to know right now, if you get this, your marriage will change. I'm talking to myself. You get this, your relationship with your children will change. You get this, your relationship with your bo the body of Christ will change. You get this, your relationship with your community will change. You get this, your relationship with yourself will change. You'll get the victory and what God wants you to have. Many of us, we wonder, we wonder like, it's almost like this lofty goal that we'll never achieve, but how else can you explain somebody who born again, living for the Lord Jesus Christ, and throw it all away over one night stand? Throw it all away for a few thousand dollars. Cardinal mine, carnal mine. Carnal mind. We've got to allow the Word of God to regulate our thoughts. We've got to have some boundaries to say, I will not let my mind go there. The blood of Jesus is upon my mind. I want the Word of God to govern my thoughts. I will not let my thoughts go there. I will have the mind of the Spirit, not the mind of the flesh. My heart my heart is one of the things I believe Extraordinary Church is called to do. And it's a lot of work, fam, if I could just be honest. It's, it's, it's frankly complete, it's utterly exhausting. And I don't say that God has given me the grace, I'm nobody. But I can remember me wanting to be a part of an authentic space where we, I have learned, Pastor Barry, that being a religious church will be a whole lot easier. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say because I say this humbly, but uh, a religious church, it's easy to grow a religious church. We could have been running five to seven services right now and had multiple campuses if I just wanted to play cute, nice church, preach everybody happy, give you a few kind of Christian principles for kind of you living your best life, and we could do all that. But if you're going to allow God to build a church a church of broken people, a church of people that are hurting, a church of people that are suffocating, a church of people that got issues. Yes, right here. People that are wrestling with pornography, people that are dealing with alcoholism, people that are dealing with same-sex attraction, people that are dealing with, I don't even know what my gender is, people that are dealing with brokenness, people that are dealing with abuse, people that have been violated, captivated, broken. If we're going to deal with those kinds of people and address those issues... This ain't going to grow overnight. This is a process and it takes time. You fight a lot of devils with this stuff. I said, God, whatever anointing here, we got seven and a half million reasons in the GTA alone. But you know, one of the things I pray, God, send the broken. Not out in the world. Send the broken from other churches who are experiencing a fraudulent type of Christianity and are ready for healing. Who'll be willing to confront their issues. 
and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe I did have something to do with it. Maybe it had more than just a little something. Maybe it had a lot to do with it. But now, in that moment, you'll find out just how strong the grace of God is. <sighs> did Paul not say, God, take this from me? Take it from me. Take it from me. Uh, my grace is sufficient for you. But this is what I want. Grace is what you need. No, this is what I want. No, grace is what you need. No, this is what I want. Grace is what you need. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The grace of God is here. The grace of God is here to reach. Why don't you just lift your hands for a moment and begin to talk to God? Why don't you begin to just allow the grace of God to reach to you? Come on. Come on. Some of you right now, your minds are going to begin to be transformed here in just a minute. God's going to pull you out of dysfunction. God's going to pull you out of heartache. God's going to, come on. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. Woo. This is why I'm not intimidated because we have the gospel. The gospel is good news, and I want everybody to hear the gospel. There is nobody that is disqualified from hearing the gospel. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what kind of lifestyle you lead, whatever agenda you might have, you are welcome here. Why? Because this is not about me. This is about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. So... I don't know about you, but so, so here's, see, here's the deal. When we have a carnal mind and we're self-centered, some days, here, here's the reality of it. It's not that Jesus hasn't saved you. I'm going to help you. It's just that you're seasonal in your submission to him. Some days he's on the throne of your heart. And when he's on the throne of your heart, you were like me when you just had collard greens and, oh, my Lord. We had so much food. Had about 20 people in the house, 14 people in the house just eating. We had a friend come on over. He hadn't been to, you know, a soulful Thanksgiving. Life just changed. It'll never be the same. That's, that's how it is. Oh, when he's on the throne of your heart, you're like, oh, hey, you'll start shouting and speaking in tongues. But the next day, temptation comes along. And the carnal mind will talk you right out of your future. It's not that God won't forgive us. It's not that he won't restore us. But it's that we're wasting time. So how do I get out of this carnal mindset? I don't know about you, but I, I want to be the one where the Lord looks at me and he says, I like the way he thinks. When a carnal mind is in control, the enemy knows, boy, just let me get him. Oh, you want some of that? You, and we come, and you know what? I don't want that. I, but the spiritual mind says, oh, no, 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 no. I've been there, done that. I ain't about to do that again. So how do you free your mind from carnality? There are only two ways for a Christian to walk spiritually minded or carnally minded. The vacillation between the two determines the level of peace and hope and joy you have in your life. The more prone you are to walking in the spirit, the more life and peace you'll experience. 
The more prone you are to follow the flesh, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You're more prone to follow yourself and live with the mindset of carnality. The more prone you will live in defeat and you'll feel like you are dying. There is nothing more sadder and discouraging than a carnal Christian. Knowing they've been born again on the inside. Knowing that they're made for more. But decided to abandon that and run after the flesh. So what do we got to do? One word. Repent. We got to repent. I know you're like, man, why you got to go there? Because we are, we are reducing Christianity. We are diluting Christianity down. We got to stay in the book, fam. And listen, I'm not here to just do work all the time. You all know me. I want to be encouraged. The gospel is good news. And I've got good news. I want people to come to church. I want them to feel good. But I also need to tell you in love sometimes, you know what? When we need to be rebuked, we need to be rebuked in love. Why? Because I want to save souls from hell's fire. I want you to know hell is hot. It's real. It lasts forever. And God loves you too much to let you, his child, live like hell, feeling like you're on your way to heaven. Repent! 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 What, what does repent mean? Let's talk about it. Repent is the Greek word, metanoia. We have taught that repentance is just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's not correct. Repentance is, I'm sorry, and by the grace of God, I'll never do that again. Second Corinthians 7.10. You know, we talk about Peter all the time, and I, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. But Peter denied the Lord Jesus. This wasn't a lifestyle of denial. Second Corinthians 7.10. For godly sorrow. Look at what godly sorrow will do. It produces. Whew. If you understand this, godly sorrow produces change. Are you catching this? This is what repentance is. It's literally an about face. I was in the marching band. I wasn't in the military. God bless all of those in the military. Sheena, David, shouting y'all out. Appreciate y'all. You know what? They, I don't know if they did it in the United States, United States military, but in the marching band, J.R. Tucker, they'd be like, about face. You know, in the Russian military, they literally will use the word repent as opposed to about face. It's repent. They stop and turn. Now watch this. Godly sorrow produces change, leading to salvation. It leads to not only my soul being saved, leads to our relationship being saved. Leads to my finances being saved. 
leads to my kids being saved. And Tess is a dog. She don't got a soul, but you know what? She blessed. Repentance will do that. Praise God. Repentance will do that. Not to be regretted. You won't regret godly sorrow. Am I helping somebody today? Praise God. But the sorrow of the world produces man. Watch this, fam. Okay, we, so worldly sorrow, I'm going to just break this down, is when you do something wrong and all you say is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you cry and you boo-hoo and you snot, but you don't change. Just like Judas you think the only way to escape, I'm helping somebody, is to die. Some of you right now, living for God, struggling so much, you think the only way you can escape is death. The devil is a liar. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is, I'm sorry I did it, God. I know I broke your heart. Forgive me of my sin. Give me the power of your grace so I never fall in that trap again. And might I remind you, grace is not a license to sin. Paul taught us that God's grace teaches us how to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and live righteously and soberly in this present world. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the power to live free from sin's dominion and live in the peace of the Holy Ghost, live in the joy of the Holy Ghost. Is anybody thankful for the peace and joy of the Holy Ghost? How many of you all feel better? Stand to your feet if you feel better after several days of not committing known sin. I'm, I'm like Pastor Barry. I know I'm standing, but I want to get up on a chair and stand. I don't know if y'all understood the question. How many of you all feel good several days of not committing known sin? That is the will of God. Oh, that is the will of God. You've had those days, a few days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, and you haven't walked in that. You haven't fell down. You feel close to God. You feel a little bit of joy. You feel peace. You're ready to run and shout. You're actually glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You give him thanks for the chains that he broke. But what do we do? When the stuff he brought us out of, we start wanting that. And I got to go back to that vomit that I was delivered from. Just, just some of that vomit. See, see, see. Because you weren't made to live in vomit, fam. You weren't made to live in a pig trough. You were made to live with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Somebody give him praise. You were made to live in the glory of God. And you're miserable. You'll always be miserable when you choose the flesh over the spirit you can be seated here's what I want you to understand every sin committed from the garden to present is a result 
of you and I coming into an agreement with a lie. And you're like, what is he talking about? I'm going to show you. Every time you and I sin, it's because we came into an agreement with a lie. I'm going to show you. Genesis 3. Let's watch this. Genesis 3 and 1. It gets so big. Genesis 3. Look at verse 1. And I'm going to walk you through verse 4. Now watch this. Just stick with me for context, okay? Don't want anybody to miss this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. He didn't say you shouldn't touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Look at verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He told her that if she ate the fruit, she could be like God. Eve, you're already made in the image of you're already made in the image of God but what she did is she came into agreement with a lie oh my God you have to understand who you are in Jesus Christ stop coming into agreement with something inferior something less than something that says you're not this you have no value don't come into agreement with that into agreement with what he says how about you so repentance is us coming out of lies and into agreement with what he says so when you sin when I sin you got to hear me fam this is important repent immediately why? Repentance brings you back to the light. You're coming out of agreement with the lie. And you're coming into agreement with the truth. Don't you delay. See, when you repent, the mind gets set free. The heart gets set free. You become forgiven. And you can walk in fellowship with him. Praise God. This is why the psalmist, he said, hey, look, your prayers, our prayers aren't even being heard because we regard sin. This is why some of us are wondering, why, why, what's going on in my life? Why, why are my prayers being answered? Come out, of agree, come out of agreement with the lie. Well, we need to sing that song, I come out of agreement. Whew. I think that's on the radar, praise God. I come into agreement with what you say about me. I don't know the name of that song, but it's by Kim Walker. It's a powerful song. This is not my identity. You know the name of it? What's the name of it? You know what I'm talking about, Bella? No, she's looking like, no. Don't. Just stop. I think it's the one I told you I wanted you to sing. I don't know. Maybe it was another song. No, that was another, that was another Kim Walker. I'm sorry. Kim Walker's my girl. Praise God. I don't know her personally, but she's my girl. Kim, you'll probably never see this sermon, but anyway, I'm shouting you out. You're my girl. Praise God. If you need to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, no, then do it. You know what I do? 
I look myself in the mirror. I'm a grown 46-year-old man with software on my phone and on every device that I have that will not let me go to inappropriate sites. Y'all not ready for this today. Y'all not ready for this. Some of us aren't even having conversations. You're just ignorantly thinking like people ain't struggling with stuff. At points, I understand. Let me tell you this. I trust you, but I don't trust your flesh. Trust me, I don't trust my flesh. This flesh will get me in trouble every time, Elvis. So there's times I've got people in my life that I'm submitted to that I've been so honest with where they've said one of them preached this past Wednesday, Mike East. He said, call me every single day. Tell me how you're doing. Why? Because I'm repenting. I'm committed to changing. And let me just help somebody out right now. Accountability, oh, I'm gonna help, I'm about to set somebody, I'm, on, I'm feeling myself today. Accountability is not church abuse. Accountability is not church abuse. Accountability is freedom. Okay, I'm just going to give you something real practical. I got, I got to hurry up. I'm going to be done because I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some things that you got to do. But let me just give you something practical. Sarah and I, we were, when, we were, when we were courting and we were serious and I had proposed and engaged, my pastor was involved from beginning to end. And uh, he, my, my first lady, they had counseled us, educated us. They felt great about it. The people in my life felt great about it. Let me just say this too. If you're in a relationship, if it separates you from the people of God, if it separates you from your pastor, your family, your friends, it ain't the one. That's not the relationship that God has for you. But I'm, I'm, I was a grown man then. Look, I've been through a lot of life, and life is hard for everybody. So I'm not saying, oh, what was me? I was strong with you. I mean, we've all had that. But I had lived enough life by the time I was 15, 16. I had been to clubs. I was dating 24-year-old women, and I'm 15, lying. Lying about stuff. So I had lived that life. People thought I was much older because of what I had to endure and experience. So... I come to the church, Jesus is real. I'm like, oh, snap. He's changing my life. Sarah and I, we're dating, we're engaged. She moves to Richmond because she lived out of town, like six hours away. By the way, I said it earlier, but it is amazing to have Angie Garcia with us, first Sunday ever at Extraordinary Church. Delighted to have her. I'm sure Mateo was a whole lot happier than I am. If you want to know why he hadn't stopped smiling, it's not because he was glad when they said unto him, let's go into the house of the Lord. But he's really glad his wife was with him. I ain't seen that boy smile like that. He came in. He came in like this. Praise God. That married life will do that. It'll do it, Elvis. It'll do it. Praise God. You know what my pastor told me? He said, son... Sarah had moved to, to Richmond, He's, and Sarah was living with him in the interim just to, we got our house. Um, he said, have her home in my house? We grown now. I had been living, I, by the time I was 12, I had no curfew. 
I was working. My mom never asked me where I was and what I was doing. I communicated with her. At 12, I had no curfew. So I'm used to doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. He looked at me. He said, son, uh, Monday through Sunday, you have her in this house at 9 o'clock. He said, not 905. I'm telling you what he said. You can, you can ask him. He said, not 905, not 902. Don't tell me you ran into traffic. Have her hind parts in this house by 9 o'clock. He said, because if you don't, she won't be let in. And then there'll be another problem. So do you think? I could have done one of two things. Who we think he's talking to? I'm a grown man. I've been living like I want to live since I'm 12 years old. His name ain't Ernest. Go tell me what to do. I can be like, Sarah, who is it? We got, I'm getting a new pastor. Trying to, no, you know what he was trying to do? Stop us from having sex before we're married. Y'all not ready for this today. Y'all not ready for this, but I'm going to help somebody. These are boundaries. Accountability. It's not church abuse. So you know what? She was home before 9 o'clock. I was early. Matter of fact, you know what we do? We used to pull up in the parking lot, in the driveway. I see him look out the blinds. And bruh, I'm like, I'm here, Bishop. I'm here. But you know what? We kept ourselves until that day. Oh, y'all not going. Okay. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. So you got to repent. I got to hurry. How long have I been preaching? Oh, 45 minutes. Y'all, what, what I want to know is, why are y'all keep? <laughs> what was, was that you who said that? Who said, that? I know that was you. I'm like, I've been preaching different like 45 minutes. <laughs> Give me some grace. Praise God. I mean, like literally, I looked at the clock. It's been 45 minutes too. Like she is like right. This ain't time in me. Praise God. Let me hurry up. Okay. The second thing you got to do after you repent, you got to renew. Okay, Romans 12, 2, here it is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you do that? The first thing you and I have to do, I'm helping you. You, you want to write this down. If we're going to do this, after we repent, we change. We have to have a word life. A word life. If your mind, if my mind is not being exposed to the word of God, it will be inclined to be shaped by the pattern of the culture of the world around us. Let me give you three things that the word of God will do. The word of God will feed you. The word of God will lead, right, let me, the word of God will feed you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded of the mouth of God. The word of God will lead you. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet, it is a light unto my path. It will lead me, and the word of God will read you. Sharper than any two-edged sword, it has the ability to divide between, to discern between the intent and the thought 
of our hearts. So all we have to do is train ourselves to surrender and honor God by surrendering and submitting. You set your mind. You know what? I'm not saying I've accomplished anything, but here's what I, see, I wasn't submitting. I was working out before I like really started working out, losing weight and really getting well because I wasn't like too serious. I wasn't submitted to it. But you know, it was affirming to me when the trainer, there's several trainers that were there, and one trainer, he was like, bro, he was like, you're doing it. He was like, not that kind of like, yeah, he's doing it. He's like, no, son. He's like, I can see. You know when you walk in and the guys that are like, are like really ripped and you're looking like one day, I'm not saying I'm there, but when you walk in and they dap you up, you kind of feel like, yeah, I might have a couple more left in me. Praise God. Praise God. I don't even know why I brought that up. Oh, train, train. You got to train. I was training myself. This didn't happen overnight. This took years. And this is why I'm not willing to go back. Somebody was teasing me because I, I eat in certain windows and I'm particular about what I eat. They were like, bruh. What you, I was like, hey, I've trained myself. We have to train our minds. Are y'all hearing me? We got to train our minds. Look at, to, to think on things. You have to set your mind. Watch this. You ever had a reset? This is what we got to do. Look at Colossians 2, or excuse me, 3-2. Colossians 3.2. Set your mind. They, the media team is ready. They're like, hurry up. Okay, let me hurry. Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. It doesn't mean the individual thought. It's the sum total of the way you think. In other words, you literally get to decide the mindset you're going to have. You got to let that settle in. You got to let that settle in. You have to determine the mindset you're going to have. And this is the thoughts that I want to have. I'm going to have the mind of God. You have to discipline and train your mind, even to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Philippians 4.8. I'm going to close. I got more notes than I do stuff. Musicians, why don't you come? It's time. I, I, I could do this clearly much longer, but I want to be sensitive to your capacity. Somebody should say amen. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Look at Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. Uh, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there are any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these Wait a minute. You ever heard somebody say, I, I can't control my thoughts? Actually, you can. There are thoughts that come into your mind, and we might be able to control that. But how many have ever had ungodly, hideous, horrible thoughts come to your mind? There's a difference, though, between thought and intention. How do I know that? The Bible tells us it can discern between the intent and the thoughts of the heart. Praise God. Praise God. So what happens, Pastor Akil, when I have a horrible thought come to mind? Just do like one theologian. 
don't build a nest for it. Martin Luther just said, don't build a nest. Let it just fly over. Let it just fly over. That's all you got to do. Let it fly over. Praise God. Why don't we all stand? You know, when you have that horrible thought, you just say, Lord, that one wasn't me. You, matter of fact, you can tell hell it can have it back. You can have that thought back. That came right from the pit of hell. I'm not getting a divorce. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to stay in this bed. I'm coming to church. But you, you can have that. No, no, no. You can have that. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a nothing. I'm not a nobody. No, you can have, I'm a child of the king. My daddy cares for me, loves me. I want to choose to meditate on those things. You know what I'm going to do? The Lord put this on my heart, so I'm going to give everybody a December challenge. Uh, you don't have to respond to it, but it'll be available exclusively on our app. Uh, but it's a challenge to help you with your mind, your thoughts, your declarations, your habits, eating, activity. And if you want to participate, you'll be able to sign up and join with me in these commitments and these challenges. But I want to pray for two folks today, or two things I want to pray for today. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. There's people here that have never been born again, born of the water and of the Spirit. You want to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're watching online right now, whether you're here in person, uh, you're wondering, does God love me? Is God for me? Is he real? Uh, you don't have to look any further than the fact that he robed himself in flesh to die for you and I. He is real. And if you want to know him in a very personal and real way today, if you want to take that next step in giving your life to Jesus Christ, learn what it means to live an extraordinary life in Jesus. Nobody's looking, just me. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking, just me. Would you just lift your hand? That's beautiful. People are lifting their hands all over this place. Praise God. Okay, you can put those hands back down. Praise God. Now, here's what I'd like us to do. Everybody can look at me for a moment. I want to thank everybody watching online. We're so glad that you're with us. Now, we believe we're the perfect church for imperfect people because of conversations like we had today. And if you want to be a part of a community like this, then come on, the doors are open and welcome. Come and join us next Sunday. God bless you. Have an amazing time. But there's somebody here. Uh, that I, I, I want to... Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.